Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Afternoon, I'm joined by Nick Palmer. Nick, welcome to the pod. Thanks, James. It's great to have you here. So Nick is currently CEO at House of Brand. House of Brand is an Australian leader in market research, both quant and qual, as well as brand planning and brand experience. House of Brand works with some of Australia's largest brands. Prior to working at House of Brand, Nick moved from the UK with Holland Partners in 2010. He came on board to help launch the business into the Australian market. He started off his career in London, uh, where he worked for about uh, 10 to 12 years, first with Millwood Brown and later Holland Partners in the research space. In Australia, Nick has worked with brands like Woolworths, Combank, NRMA9, as well as a range of smaller businesses and startups. In the UK, he worked with brands like Sky TV, Mars, Google, Lloyds, Pepsi, and many, many more. So when I thought of research, I thought of you, Nick. Um, thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, no worries. Looking forward to it. Good, good, good. So I think um, we're talking about it before we started recording, and you've got lots of big brand experience. And part of the reason I wanted to get you on was that you have also worked with some smaller brands. And I think the audience on the pod, we definitely have listeners from big corporates where I think there probably are big budgets set aside and um, probably a history of investing in, in, yeah. in research, and um, which is excellent. But there's also a lot of listeners, I think, working in silos, maybe in smaller marketing teams, sole in-house marketer, where maybe there isn't that... Um, I guess, experience and trust in research and, and knowing where to start. So, um, and I think even from a rocket viewpoint, clients off prospective clients come to us and say, I want to do SEO, I want to do Google ads. And we kind of go, yep, okay, we'll do some analysis and we think we can get some wins for you. But us and the client probably aren't taking that step back and going, well, you know, where should we play and who are we trying to target? So I think just wanted to throw it across to you just to talk about research, what it is, um, quantitative, qualitative research, what, what, yeah. what are those two things? And um, let's go from there. Yeah, sure. And um, yeah, we can get on to what's kind of, let's call it accessible research, like for those kind of smaller, but exactly what you say, those smaller budgets, smaller companies, maybe putting their first toe in the water in terms of research, because obviously there's some, there's some big budgets out there, some big scary research that gets done, but it yeah. doesn't have to be that kind of stuff. There's plenty of other kind of entry level options, let's call them, where the kind of the the no information is a lot, lot better than sorry, sorry, some, some information, information <laughs> is a lot, lot better than no information. Exactly. Um, even if it, uh, and so working off that kind of principle. But um, in terms of kind of, I mean, look, market research is, a, I guess, in its broader sense, is, is anything that gives you information about the market or the consumers or the the market you're trying to address and then that kind of goes into what you call primary research which is where you're actually collecting data specifically for that project or that task and secondary research which is sometimes called desk research which is where you are trawling existing information and and, and actually for smaller businesses that is absolutely where they should start okay i'll do myself out of business but there's always some kind of information out there and it might not be perfect it might not be exactly your audience it might not be exactly your category but it will still be useful quantitative or quant and qualitative or qual so yeah. in the kind of classic sense qualitative is focus groups um one-on-one -on -one depth interviews and um kind of assisted shops so when you accompany shops sorry when you shop along with someone next to them and things like that mm -hmm. And then quantitative is surveys, anything where you're collecting numbers. So that could largely that's online now, but it could be, it could be face to face still. It could be on you know the classic cliche of people with clipboards, 
or or it could be or more likely tablets these days or it could be telephone um, but the vast majority of that is now done online which means it's been answered on a mobile or maybe a tablet or a laptop or quite often a laptop does primary secondary relate to quant qual like or are they they no primary means um primary means that you are you are collecting the data specifically for this task whereas secondary means this data has already been collected and you are reanalyzing it or collating it or synthesizing it or doing something with it to to suit to make it useful for your task but it, it already exists there so that could be census data like if you went and had a look at census data that would effectively be what you'd call secondary research you're using stuff there whereas primary research means you're going out and collecting it yourself now that and that could be quant or qual there is another bucket which kind of probably sits more on the qualitative end but isn't actually either and that is kind of ethnography cultural insights things like that so ethnography is where you're watching like true ethnography you just watch people um, you know, the the real hardcore ethnography is going and living in people's houses for a year and working out what, what their Ter- lives terrifying. are like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Louis Theroux kind of stuff. But um, but there are much more kind of there are there are much more kind of accessible versions of that. Um, there's something called self ethnography where people record video diaries and stuff. But often, like there's somewhere in between. Like an accompanied shop, for instance, is a little bit of both. You watch them shop the aisle in the supermarket and then you ask them questions afterwards so it's kind of ethnography but kind of not yeah um and then cultural insights is where you where you decode culture so you look at the way brands culture people whatever are representing themselves through codes so through colors and cues and images and things and work out what those kind of dominant and residual and emerging codes are but But that's quite a significant and important part of the research landscape. But the vast majority of it fits into the quant and qual yeah. bits. Yeah, cool. And the, and I guess when, where you're kind of going with that, if you've got um, smaller budgets, smaller businesses, starting off with secondary, I presume because the, the, the content exists, it's about trying to troll yeah, through. Be, and... I mean, in, in, in most cases, that data is... F- available for free occasionally you have to pay for some reports that exist but yeah. and then maybe you need to pay someone to interpret it for you because that's more either because you haven't got the time or because it's just not your skill set but yeah. it's still cheaper than going out and doing doing stuff um collecting your own data yeah and i mean it sounds like a really simple question but why does this stuff matter like why do these huge brands come to organizations like yours to do this research piece yeah i mean it, <laughs> It, it, it's a simple question, but that doesn't mean that people don't grasp the concept and therefore don't do the research. It's all about knowing what consumers, I mean, mark, the, the, one of the def, one of the age or definitions of marketing is meeting a consumer need at a price, right? Or a consumer wants or need at a price. But if you don't know what the consumers need or what they want, then how do you know how to meet it? Yeah. That, that's at its kind of basic, basic level. Now, there's various different ways of accessing that in terms of you can go out and ask them, you know, what are you looking for when you buy insurance or whatever, that kind of stuff. But you can also analyze which brands people are considering and then look at what they know about those brands, what they think about those brands, and you can connect those dots. So it's all still fundamentally helping you understand how do we meet consumer wants and needs. So you've done the Mark Ritson mini, mini MBA, as I have, and he always talks about market orientation, um, which is not about thinking about um, what you're doing within the business, and what the business, what's right for the business, but what's right for the market, because that should lead what you do as a business. Uh, one of my clients in the UK used to talk about that the business had shifted recently from trying to sell what we can make to trying to make what we can sell. 
and that was very much about kind of factory utilization previously like oh we've made this version we can also make this version with it just by turning one button in the factory let's try and sell that versus well if there's no consumer need you're not going to sell it so yeah. but if you don't do the research how do you know what the consumer need is yeah the richard bransons of the world or all these people who kind of don't do research and stuff all, all of whom do by the way including steve jobs and apple used to do a huge amount of research yeah still do that's where my head um, was that was where the next line of questioning was going to was going to come next yeah so oh, they do a it. huge amount of research yeah. they are like uh, i've seen some of it happen and those guys you know like oh, it's all on gut instinct and things like that i have a good intuition of what consumers want and things like that it's like well maybe you maybe you do but there are not that many of those people in the world and it's a bit of a risk why don't you spend a little bit of money and find out if you're right or not yeah and, and i know that's the battle a lot of people face internally as well as I know we need to do research. I need to convince other people in this organization that we need to do research because they've never done it before. They think they either they think they know or, or or sometimes there's some hard truth they need to learn. And it's just that moving from that kind of myopic inward view of the business. Oh, everyone knows who we are, don't they? Isn't it clear that we do this kind of stuff to, well, actually, what do consumers really think about you out there? Have they heard of you? Are you meeting a need? Are you solving attention, et cetera? It does feel that we're moving increasingly more towards a world where businesses that don't put the customer need at the front of the business are the ones that are struggling, right? And on that Mark Ritson mini MBA, like the the case study of um, Jeff Bezos and Amazon, where essentially the whole approach to that business from the ground up has been about customer experience and doing um, the, the entire business has been essentially reverse engineered around customer need. Um, and there's yeah. yeah, it's probably always been the way, really. It's just always been about, it, it's just there's now ever increasing amounts of choice um, and in all sorts of ways. One of the things, I, and this has changed massively in the last 10 years since I was 12 years now, since I've been in Australia, when I got to Australia, I heard someone else say that, I can't remember who it was, say that they'd finally dawned on them, like, oh, that's weird i've not because i'm particularly clever but just because i thought it was very obvious straight away that the reason australia was so far behind on some of that stuff or was so far behind is because it's it grew up with duopolies you'd have a dominant brand in each state who would who didn't even who were really a monopoly and then and then started having to having to compete with each other and if there's no consumer choice, there's no drive to do better, or there's no drive to whatever do better means. So do better could be better products, or it could be being a better corporation, as in, you know, from an ESR point of view, or, or any of those kind of things. But there was no, you know, in the lack of competition, and then there's no drive to, to be better at what you do. And that has changed. And obviously, the digital world, and, and particularly post-COVID, where suddenly everyone's competing with the whole world, not that the, the um, universities are a really good example of, well, if suddenly everyone's online learning, then why would I go to University of Sydney when I can online learn with whatever, Harvard, MIT yeah. or whatever? So that's been really, really interesting. But um, you've got to know what your competitors are doing as well. And I think that's another part of it. The market orientation kind of thing is knowing how your competitors are better serving the, the needs of, the compet- of your customers as well. And also understanding that it's, this kind of expectation transfer and Amazon's a great, you know, you mentioned Amazon. That's a, <laughs> unfortunately, a lot of the expectations are transferred from Amazon. We, mm-hmm. Amazon taught us that we can get a package tomorrow. So I want a package tomorrow yeah. today, if you're in the U S but you know, like, so, you know, that that's those kind of expectations, people who are kind of late to the party with a app or a loyalty scheme or whatever. And they're like, Oh yeah, but our competitors don't have one or, or it's better than what our competitors are doing. It's like, People don't care. They don't. Mm. They don't think in the silos that you think in. 
they expect your website to work as well as the best websites out there in in the world yeah. or in their world not the best fashion retailer or the best online wine store or whatever yeah. that's not where the expectations are set so and and, and to be honest when in our world we very rarely get the opportunity to um, benchmark the brands we work for against that wider universe because they just don't. We just don't have the bandwidth in in their surveys and things like that. But when we do qualitative work where we're actually having discussions with people, that's where that stuff kind of comes up. Who's doing this best out there? And that's where they kind of just naturally they don't talk in the silos that we want them to necessarily. And that's where they were. That's interesting. That kind of leads into my next question. So. When do you do quant? When do you do qual? Do you do both? What are the, the respective kind of pros and cons? Good question. Um, I mean, the, the do you do both is an interesting one. Broadly speaking, um, you do qual when you want to discuss and explore and get real depth and be able to probe on stuff. And you do quant when you want robust validation sometimes or just robust numbers to go off. And sometimes in organizations, unfortunately you quant because the business needs numbers because in order to plead your case or whatever or to the business just needs to see some facts based on a large number of people um that's not necessarily a bad thing but it's just occasionally projects get steered towards quant when actually the objectives we better ask answer with qual so qual you have the ability to talk, talk to someone you have the ability to you know why did you say that i mean obviously in a survey you can ask why did you say that but you can respond live yeah. to what they're saying you the main thing with quant as well is that you need to know what questions you want to ask. Um, you need to know what are the parameters in the market, what are the things we need to to kind of ask about and measure. Um, whereas qualitative, you can kind of go in with some hypotheses maybe, but you can put some starting, some springboards if you like, and then you can go from there. I mean, the kind of classic uses of qual are concept and communications development. So you might have an early form of an ad and you want to make it better or you want to do user testing which you can do quantitatively but some of that kind of that tactile sensory kind of testing um you want to get a deeper understanding of journeys and things like that so the decision making journey from deciding you need a whatever it might be a credit card to actually getting a credit card that kind of thing where it's it's not linear it's snakes and ladders as people often refer to that kind of stuff as all of those kind of things we really need to explore and get that depth and that color and then quant so often you'll do qual first and then validate it with quant so you yep. take what you've learned in the qual and you'll put it into quant studies i have done stuff the other way around as well where you use quant to do a bit of what i, what I kind of refer to as fact finding so there's some hypotheses in the business let's just work out broadly speaking what they look like and then use the qual to deep dive on those things and then sometimes you even do qual quant qual so you do some exploratory qual you validate it you quantify it and then you come back and once you've worked out, okay, this is the product to go for, maybe this is the segment we're going to target or whatever, then you do qual afterwards to put depth around it. And but, would, would big businesses, like the big household brands that you kind of, not, not speaking to any of them specifically, but would they be doing both all the time? E, yes. So it's basically, yes. Yeah. Um, most of them will have ongoing quant brand tracking programs, which yeah. is what we do a lot of. So that's what we do with Woolworths and CBA and places like that where you are, where day in day out basically you are out there asking not out there surveys but there are con consumers are answering surveys about their brand and you're collecting that and analyzing it monthly or quarterly or whatever you're doing yeah. so that's always ongoing um on top of that they'll have lots of ad hoc projects so um so just kind of 
projects to the specific tasks that will be happening quantitatively or qualitatively. Very few people do ongoing qualitative. It does happen where you have a regular like fortnightly focus group or whatever and you just basically throw whatever you want into it. So there's yeah. a few brands out there that do that, but it's pretty rare. Most qualitative is very kind of focused on a specific thing. But but yeah, the biggest brands are definitely doing both plus possibly ethno and cultural insights and things like that, but they yeah. definitely work across both. When you get it to smaller brands, it really depends on levels of knowledge already within the business about their audience. So if you really know, feel like you don't know much about your audience, then that's when Qual can really help you in terms of yeah. having those conversations. When, I, when we're kind of going with that, so it's a good coverage of the two areas as it relates to big brands, right? An airline or a yeah. bank or whatever. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, what about Rocket? So we're a you know 50 person digital marketing agency working with you know upper end of small business into mid market with you know yeah. playing with some enterprise clients as well generally when we're putting our marketing together we're generally trying to speak to marketers right generally they're the ones that are making the decisions around engaging an seo provider or a ppc yeah. provider if i came to you and said hey like of the services you have how can you help us and keeping it you know we're we're not a huge business so the budgets aren't going to be vast like what would what would your kind of thought process be? Like, how would you say we should use market research to help us better market ourselves? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, most people will come to us with a some kind of objective or task in mind, um, rather than just, "Hey, I want to do some. I want to do a market research." Yeah. Um, but it does happen. Um, but it, it tends to happen more when someone up, someone has told them you need to do some market research, and they're like, "Okay, I'll go and get one of those then." Um, <laughs> But um, but that doesn't happen very often in small businesses because the chains aren't there that kind of create that. But um, so they'll tend to come with us with a problem. Um, I mean, some people come to us with, I need to do X, but most people in most situations will, will go, I need to, I, I need this question answered. I have this problem I need to solve. And then we'll work out what the best solution for them is. But to take your example, um, I think it would depend. So for instance, if you wanted to know okay, where is our traction highest? Where are our next best targets? Um, where is our opportunity greatest? Where should we not touch because we don't we don't offer what they want or there's another competitor who's got that area sewn up? Then that kind of stuff you'd want to you'd want to do some quant research. Um, you can probably do it relatively cost effectively. You can do a full blown segmentation, which is where you go out and you totally understand the market and you work out how the market is differentiated and will therefore what segments are in it or you can do a but that's tends to be quite costly uh, but we've done that for startups and scale-ups yeah. quite successfully and where we often do that is where a business has grown to a certain size through just organically through just kind of doing what they know how to do and getting to a point and then it's when it's often when they get a next round of funding or something and they need to push the business further. So, well, how do we go? How do we get beyond the low hanging fruit? Yeah. How do we, you know, we've done very successful targeting this area of the market. Is there a whole area that should we stick there? Should we go over here? That kind of thing. So that's quite often where we get involved. Which is, I think that's actually really, I actually find that that's probably, um, probably correlates with when a lot of clients will come to us, where yeah. they've, they've built some kind of digital footprint. They've spun up Google ads. They've, run some seo they've run certain campaigns in paid social whether it's linkedin or facebook and they kind of start to tap out it's kind of with yeah. particularly um yeah they get funding and the funding is predicated on growth and can the growth happen in australia it's kind of an interesting probably similar um yeah trigger point yeah. for both of us 
Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's exactly, it's the kind of, the, okay, we've got to a point, how do we get further? Um, and we're not going to get further by just continuing to do the same thing. Um, and that's where people have to stop looking at, because that, that's where the danger is. People look at their current customer base, understand that kind of stuff, but you'll only ever learn so much by learning why the people who came to you already came to you. You need to know why the people who haven't come to you yet aren't, which might be just because they're not aware of you, but it could be they are aware of you and you don't meet their needs. And, that, and I guess that's where it's kind of useful. Like what is the, to kind of, you know, it's kind of fairly classic marketing funnels of where do we need to focus? Is it that people don't know about us? Is it that they know about us, but they're not, they don't think we're right for them. So we're not relevant. We're not on their consideration set. Are we on their consideration set? They're just not choosing us. Are they choosing us, but they're not coming back to us? All of those kind of things. So if you kind of build a funnel like that, and, and that you can do relatively cost-effectively um, because, and, and then you've got a really good basis of here's the task at hand. Here, here is how we grow most. It's, oh God, everyone who's aware of us likes us or considers us. We just need to get out there more versus, oh no, we've done the job of making people know that we exist. They just aren't thinking that we're relevant for them. So mm. that's where we to focus so that that that's actually that and, and coming back to the kind of we're in that kind of growth stage that that is absolutely the kind of thing we can do yeah is that like the way you just kind of phrase that um around it's not about looking back at, at your existing customers to find out where the next ones are coming from it's looking at the market as to the ones that didn't go with you um, yeah which i think resonates with us i think we're guilty of that ourselves or often we'll kind of look at you know the clients that we love working with the most and go let's go find more of them um and i think it's also where I hear a lot of our clients talking, it's kind of these yeah. are our customers and you know the eighty twenty rule and whatever it might be. Yeah, but is yeah. that is that kind of the um one of the really strong kind of use cases or arguments yeah, for yeah, research? De definitely. I mean, you may it may be that there are lots of other customers who are just like your customers out there that you haven't tapped into yet. Um, but why? Yeah, <laughs> and, and it could simply be that they haven't heard of you, and once they heard of you, they too will will see the light and come over to you. But it's more likely to be something else like there. Let's put it another way. There's a reason the customers you've already got have found you and like you and are with you, right? And so what's the difference between those customers and the other customers? Um, but yeah, that's a really, that that's definitely a key use case is um, how do we push on? Because we've we've soaked up everything we're going to get from this pool of customers. Yeah, um, We know what they like and why they came to us. Um, if we just go out and tell other people about that stuff, then we're only going to get so far. I mean, it could be that that's really powerful that, you know, and, and obviously, you know, testimonial marketing and all that kind of stuff and reviews and all that kind of stuff work in that space, don't they? They work in the space of this person liked us, you will too. That is yeah. basically what all of those things are doing. Yeah. Um, trying to find people who are like them to make it feel like it's relevant to them. But it just gets, that just gets harder and harder and harder by, by laws of probabilities and probability and statistics. Yeah. So, and how does um, that, so what, like, how does it work in terms of, um, developing personas and who are these portraits of the types of people we're going to build to try to market to is the work that you're doing does that then in, inform elements of those kind of persona developments yes or? often it does but it doesn't have to sometimes clients come to us with their their own ideas of what these uh, personas or segments or cohorts are yeah. and, but they want to and then they, what they really need to know is understand them more so they might they might come so it could be verticals for instance they might come to us and go these are the whatever the six big verticals we're doing one amongst these two but not amongst these four let's size those verticals not i mean obviously there'll be some kind of information available to broadly size that vertical but size those verticals in terms of their need of the services that we offer and then profile them what you know what 
what are the key drivers for that that cohort versus that cohort? What well that so that vertical versus that vertical? What's yeah. what what do they need to see? What do they need to see? Exactly. So the really good golden rule to always go back with the marketing is segmentation, targeting, positioning in that order. So you segment yeah. the markets, then you work out who you're going to target, and then how do you position against them? Yeah. So some people will come with the market already segmented. They need to know how to target them. Um, and then what the positioning should be. Some will even come with, we've decided we want to target this segment. How should we position them? Yeah. Sometimes you come with nothing. So and that's when you have to um, let the data tell you how to segment the market. Because a lot of it, so um, without naming any names, as a, a startup, a, a B2B finance company we worked with, a startup, quite successful Australian startup, well, far more than a startup now, um, who were working in verticals because that's, the available data, the way they could work, where they'd seen success and things like that. Some of those things existed across multiple verticals. And so we, what we did is produce kind of attitudinal segments based on, which definitely had um, vertical skews to them, but which were based on the type of people and the kind of decisions they're trying to make to work out how to message and market to those people. So some people, what they really cared about is security and um, that, you know, you're not going to go under, I'm not going to lose my loan, et cetera, et cetera. Other people wanted transparency. They wanted mm. to be able to see where they were. Other people wanted customer service, you know, like whatever those things were. And that doesn't necessarily align with vertical. That aligns with people. Yeah. Uh, and people, you know, the same type of person could be working in a hairdresser's or a florist's or a, or a restaurant kind of thing. So, so that's where you kind of creating these personas and then going, we should target these personas and this is how we should, yeah. you know, segmentation, these are the personas targeting, we should target these ones and positioning, here's what we need to message to these people in order to make us successful with those guys. And I think we'll often have people approach us kind of saying, I want to do SEO or I want to do Google ads. And it's like, yeah, but. The, the types what? of people that you're yeah the types of people that you're trying to move aren't behaving in a way where that activity is actually going to do anything for you and yeah you know the, yeah definitely the, the market room is saying you should be doing outdoor or you should be doing whatever else but they've kind of because they're already executing on this kind of tactical basis they haven't kind of actually got they, have, they haven't taken a step back to go well who are we trying to move um, yeah yeah that's right yeah it, Exactly. I mean, segmentation, targeting, positioning, and then it's only after that that you get into execution and how do yeah. we how do we get the message out to these people? And yeah, it. Um, yeah, it makes it a lot easier for us to then execute when we've got those kind of building blocks kind of presented to us. Um, I think that's a really good overview of quant qual. So we have obviously haven't dug too deep into the actual tactics that you're operating within, but if there's any marketers working in bigger businesses with budgets for for research, then I think it's like, yeah, okay, House of Brand, great, doing X, doing Y. I know a lot of listeners, as I kind of touched on when we kicked off, either sole in-house marketer in a business, small team of four, maybe working really closely with a business owner who just has no understanding. Like he goes, I know he or she, I know who my customers are, go and do X. What are some just really practical ways of going about this? Like how do you do research that actually might be beneficial um, can you do it yourself? Can you engage with um, potentially businesses like yours or, um, or, yeah. or similar ones where you might not have hundreds of thousands of dollars for research pieces, but practical ways to, I guess, leverage the benefits of research? Yeah, I think, um, well, there's the secondary research, the desk research we talked about before. You can do it yourself. So um, 
maybe lots of your listeners have heard of survey monkey because it's kind of the the phrase that means a do-it-yourself survey there is a lot of different platforms out there you can do that through millions of them in fact but um where you are basically um where, where you know what you want to ask and and, you, and how to ask it or you have a good enough idea how to how to ask it um and all you need to do is get access to people um and the some of those platforms can help you get access to those you know buy sample basically which is how we do it like most of our research runs off research panels which are collections of people who have agreed to take part in research um, and it's how all of the big brands do it as all other small brands do it it's just the way these things are done but so if you feel like you have enough of a grasp or you have so little budget that you have no other no have no other option you can do it you can do that yourself the next kind of step up from that is paying for someone to do that for you um but you're happy to just take the data so you need someone to help you maybe get the questions right and implement it like actually put it out there and do run the field work so to speak but you're happy to analyze the data yourself so that can be pretty cost effective too um an agency like ours can add value because we can help you write the questions better if you again if you've got a fairly good idea then you might even be able to go to someone else who can do that for you but you might as well do it yourself then so um and then the next stage up is kind of where we're actually analyzing the data as well and even in that i guess you could have a as a version where we're basically charting up the data putting it in slides and giving it to you yeah you know we're not adding a huge amount of value there where you really get value is when we interpret it tell you what to do with it tell you what we would do tell you what you know help you with the strategic recommendations and things like that. So there are very much kind of entry level, entry budget versions. And coming back to what I said earlier about some information is always better than no information, yeah. as long as it's not misleading information, that is. But, um, and I, I have a phrase about all data is representative of something. You just need to be aware of what it's representative of. Yeah. So you can take data from your customer. You could send a survey out to your customers, for instance, but just know that it's your customers and know that it's also your customers who are most likely to respond, who are probably going to be mostly the ones who like you most or yeah. the ones who hate you most and are yeah. for some reason still with you. But as long as you go into eyes wide open, that's okay. It's only going to tell you so much, but you know what it's going to tell you. It's when people misrepresent that as um, there's a, one of those great Tom Fishburne cartoons around, or maybe it's not even him actually, but around the kind of a 99% of the people who responded to our survey said they like doing surveys. You know, it's just that <laughs> kind of stuff, right? Just be aware of who you're talking to. But there are some very kind of entry level ways you can do stuff. Um, omnibuses, which is where you pay to put a question on a survey that goes out to a representative audience. You're paying one or 2,000 Australian dollars per question kind of thing, $2,000 yeah. per question probably. So if you know what you need to ask and you can get some use out of a general audience, then that can be quite useful. And how big, like how big does an audience have to be like in terms of qualitative research to, to be valid statistically? Sample size, so, well, there's two ways of answering that. So in terms of sample sizes, anything... You want to do surveys that are going to an absolute minimum of 100 people. That's like a real, real minimum. Um, 100, and then, 100 responses or 100 sends? 100 responses. Yeah. So you want to be working with data that represents 100 people. And then it's kind of it's kind of almost logarithmic after that. So if you double that, you get a lot more validity. If you double that, you get a lot more validity. So you kind of go up from 100, 200, 400, 800. Um, the magic a thousand that PR agencies and PR companies use is a bit of a made up number. It just sounds right. robust. Um, a thousand is not significantly more 
um, robust than 800. And I mean, significantly in the statistical significance yeah. word, use of the word rather than this, the general use of the word. The difference in the margin of error between 800 and 1,000 is a, is a is like half a percent or something. It's nothing. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to be doing stuff with much less than 100. Yeah. But you have to be aware that you're dealing with a sample of 100. So if your brand is 5% stronger than the other brand, that means five people have said this. So that could, you know, there's so much potential sample error. So the more you can do, the better. In terms of what your kind of market needs to look like to be useful, well, as long as you're interviewing within your market, that's fine. So if you can get 200, 400 people to answer your survey who are from within your market, then... That's absolutely fine. In terms of what kind of market size starts to become viable for doing quant surveys, um, anything under 10% starts to get a bit tricky from a consumer, a B2C point of view. So you need, so if your target market only represents 10% of the population, not your customer base, but your target market only represents 10%, then it starts to get either expensive or struggling with feasibility. If you need to go out to panels, if you have other some other source of disinformation. With, with that, do you mean so, so business like Rocket, right? Where our market would be quite small because we're dealing with in-house marketers or business owners. That's going to be far less than 10% of the Australian population. Yeah, okay. No, but sorry, I was talking about beta, I was talking about B2C, so consumer yeah, okay. world. So in the yeah. consumer world, if it's 10% of so it's probably it's 10% of whatever the, the broader universe. If you're talking about SME, small to medium enterprises, then if it's 10% of that group, then yeah. it starts to get quite tricky. B2B interviewing is always more expensive. There's obviously just less people running businesses than there are people. Yeah. Um, and also just the the niches tend to be that little bit, you know, you can be a very successful business targeting a very small niche of the SME world. Yeah. You can only grow so far targeting a small niche of the um of the consumer world. Well, actually, you can be very successful, but you're probably not going to bother doing market research or come to you or anything like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. the main thing with B2B research is getting to the right people in the organizations as well. Yeah. Um, so in the SME world, that's not too bad because normally the CEO or the MD or whatever wears a lot of hats and is making decisions across pretty much everything that happens in the business. Yeah. But when you get into more specialized services and you get into bigger, bigger organizations, so tech and things like that, you know, quite often the CEO, they might have some kind of sign off, but they have no idea. So they're not going to be the one making the decision on which, which tech providers you use, whatever that tech might be. So that kind of stuff, whereas finance, for instance, in a small business, it's probably going to be the founder, yeah. CEO, the kind of person who's decided which bank to go with yeah. because it was the one they started with rather than even, then, but then also if they kind of get to the size of they have a CFO and things like that. So so that's really crucial is getting to the, the right group of people. There are lists out there, obviously, that can get to the right people as well. So, um, But it depends on if those lists are available and are going to get to the right people. So. It does get tricky in the B2B world for sure. Yeah. Um, and but there's definitely ways of doing it. I have I, I would also have recently started advocating to a lot of clients in that space or new clients in that space to kind of go, I wouldn't spend a huge amount of money putting a survey out to a robust sample of businesses to find out that your awareness is only 10% or whatever, because only 10% of that sample is particularly useful to me. I can use the other 90% to show me what's important in the market and where my competition are and things like that. But if what I really want to know is where does my business stand right now? Yeah. It's kind of a waste of money. Well, not a waste of money, but what you're better to do is invest that money probably in doing some one-on-one -on -one depth interviews with people where you can, well, you're not going to get a robust validated sample, but you're going to have a lot more 
you're getting a lot more value out of talking to people in depth about the category and the brands in it and what they think of you and why they haven't used you and things like that. And also get a bit of a feel for, are you on the radar or not? You're going to get a lot more value. So you'd be using Qual for that where you're kind of, you're a startup-ish, you're kind of um, not that well-known. You kind of, you want to learn a little bit more about the actual market itself as well as your position in it. Use Qual and kind of use that as the I, next step to yeah i yeah in terms of kind of in terms of that we need to what are people looking for in the market that we're not providing or what what are we looking that we are providing that we can we should message about and things like that then sometimes that can be more more valuable um and that's what i was kind of saying before what sometimes unfortunately we get in those situations they go yes but i need i need to show the vc or whatever i need to show them i need to show them some numbers and yeah. that's where you go into kind of a a numbers discussion um which is fine it's just you you kind of forego some of the depth you're going to get because you put a survey out there only a certain number of people are aware of you so you're only going to find out so much about what they think about your brand and probably um conscious of time and this might be a bit of a curveball but how do you maybe for, for smaller businesses what is a way of um of measuring brand like are there any ways of being able to measure how your brand is performing you know over an extended period of time i mean beyond obviously sales and revenue and things which they'll be doing already um i think it like it's kind of comes down to the some of the classic funnel stuff so are people aware of you obviously but also spontaneous awareness because there's one thing i mean without wanting to get into detailed discussions about mental availability in the world of byron sharp and how brands grow and stuff uh, there's a lot of brands out there that are even in very big established categories, very mature categories where everybody knows the brand, but they just don't bring them to mind. So that's important. Are you on their consideration sets or somehow kind of relevant to them? We would always advocate for tracking both the rational and emotional perceptions of the brand, that a brand is a product or service with a personality. And so measuring the personality of the brand is very important. This isn't all about kind of the, what is your why getting into yeah, purpose. Yeah, 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 totally. Like what people it's think just of it. about kind of what's the kind of the, the emotional side of your brand rather than just what do you do. And how do you track that? Like, how do you, I'll sometimes be sent reports from clients kind of going, you know, 47% of people in the in that market know of our brand and we're tracking it and we want to run digital campaigns to grow awareness of yeah. our niche product in a pretty niche category and they'll have industry yeah. surveys or whatever else. Like how do you, if you're a, um, I think it is probably not so relevant for a small biz if you're a, you know an emergency plumber, you're probably not, <laughs> yeah. not that important, but there'll be definitely listeners to the pod where um, maybe there are three, four, five alternates, alternatives rather in, a, in their industry. Like how do they track what their target market thinks of them compared to, well, not thinks of them, but even knows of their existence. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about um, some kind of ongoing measurements, whether that's, I mean, it's probably not, you know, day in, day out every month, you know, like some of these big brands we're doing thousand sample every month for or more. Yeah. Um, it's not, it could be six monthly, quarterly, um, yearly. It kind of depends on where you are in your growth cycle and what, how much activity you've got going out there. And also what are your purchase cycles within your, within your category? It's about kind of, measuring the same thing over it over and over again because the idea is from a kind of a, a testing point of view it's a bit like a b testing right a b testing a bit like live testing the idea is the survey is the same so technically the only thing that and the sample should be the same not the same people but the same makeup yeah therefore the only thing that should have changed is what's happened in real life yeah. therefore 
if this measure was 5% here and it's 10% here, we know that that has happened because of what's out there in the market. So, so that's the way you do it. You do, that with a, you do that with a sample that represents your target market, your broad target market, and you'd measure your brand, your competitors' brands on all of those things like awareness, consideration, preference, and things like that, but also what are the perceptions of the brand? What do they think of our brand? What do they think of the other brands, yeah. both from a rational and a personality point of view? And you might also track whether people have seen your advertising and things like that as well. And so, so then in terms of your, your point earlier, if you're B2C and you're, you're a bank or you're an airline, probably pretty easy to get out there and find people. But if you're an obscure ERP provider in a hard-nosed B2B space, difficult to then, more difficult. Yeah, so I think the more you can to... tap into syndicated industry surveys, the better. Um, but a lot of the a lot of them, that's just not relevant for them. They don't, that, that industry survey doesn't exist for them. Therefore, it's about creating a bespoke piece of work and, and it's then just about balance, like balancing the cost versus the frequency. Obviously, yeah. every brand would like to be measuring every every month, but they can't and they, and nor do they need to, if you're quite a niche brand and therefore the research is quite expensive because the sample is quite expensive, then you probably want to be doing that, you know, every six months, say, um, or at least every year, Mark Ritson would say yearly is enough. I'd argue that's not necessarily true, but, um, <laughs> but yearly is a minimum anyway, let's put it that way. Um, otherwise, what do you do? Like, how do you, like, you do something, you measure it two years later and you go, well, it's gone down or up, but how do we know what why? happens? Yeah. Why? If the longer the gaps, the harder it is to ascertain the why. You could also decide to put, I mentioned an omnibus before, where you have a something like that, where on a regular basis, you're getting a check-in of a key metric or two key metrics, but then you're doing a deeper study every year or something like that, where you're getting more detail kind of thing. So yeah, that, cool. that you can kind of blend approaches to get, what's the thing that's going to move and let's measure that every quarter. And what's the thing that's not going to move that fast. We want to know a lot more detail around them we'll do that every year and learn that way. That's good. Okay, three questions. They're not, not, not too long. The first one is probably the longest. Um, longest answer, shortest question. Advice for marketers where they believe in what you're saying, but they just can't get buy-in from above. So whether that's from, I, I would suspect that probably means from non-marketers in the business, which is just go and execute, just go and run these campaigns. I know the market. I don't need to pay to get insights. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really tough one because it's kind of classic catch-22. <laughs> until they let you do it, you can't show that it's value. Case studies, obviously, um, are really good in that, in that sense. Obviously, a lot of them are commercially confidential, so that becomes a little bit difficult sometimes, but case studies or is, is a really... or. But I think maybe the other thing is, is really just highlighting the knowledge gaps. We, we know this, but we... Sure, but we don't know this. I would really try and highlight the gaps and the risks like we you know if we go out and do this we know that these people are going to like it but we have no idea what these people are. that's probably how i'd approach that kind of stuff yeah what we do in those kind of situations where we know the clients are in that space is we provide them really good tailored example outputs so not here's some charts we created earlier for someone else but here is the kind of thing we're going to produce for them with dummy data in it of yeah, course that's so good because that that actually really helps those people go, oh, I'm going to learn that. Oh, I'm going mm. to see that. Excellent, Nick. Thanks so much for coming on. I always ask this this uh, this question of every every guest. What's the one piece of marketing advice that you'd give to an in-house marketer listening to this pod? Particularly for brands who are in that kind of growth phase of they've they've got to a certain point and need to grow further. They own you're only going to learn so much by looking at why the customers have chosen to 
be with you already are with you. You need to learn why the people who haven't chosen to be with you aren't. Um, and that's the key where the, the kind of the, the market orientation, the research really comes in. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the, the for, for your kind of audience, kind of people who like to listen to this podcast. I think that's probably the main thing and a really good line, actually, to come back to your earlier question to use to help sell in research within the business yeah, as well. That's great. I, I love that. Um, and then, Nick, where can we find you? <laughs> where, where, what's your home address? No, what's, what's uh, my, <laughs> where, 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 LinkedIn me. website, House of Brand. Speak to um, us. Yeah, so we're houseofbrandgroup.com, and um, I'm Nick Palmer on LinkedIn. Uh, we're House of Brand Group on LinkedIn as well. Um, we do have some social presence that we don't really use, so don't bother looking for us there. <laughs> we've got an office in Sydney, and we've also got people in Adelaide and Melbourne. We don't have any clients in Adelaide, but we have a work from anywhere policy, and we've managed to find some really good people in Adelaide because um coming back to that point about competition before they were all employed at the same agencies because there wasn't anywhere else to work whereas now they can work for people like us which is great so yeah we're so, so any listeners in Adelaide that want to want a research agency reach out exactly you're now yeah. doing coffees in in Adelaide <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> excellent mate thanks so much for all coming right. onto the pod thanks James see you later Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.